Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. The Commandments and the Christian. If you know the Ten Commandments by heart, would you raise your hand? I know the Ten Commandments by heart. Raise your hand. You do? Anybody else? You do? Sort of. Anybody want to shout out one of the commandments? The first one that comes to your mind, shout it out. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. What does it say? First commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. That's interesting. How about the second one? You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any, uh, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation, generational sin of those who hate me, but showing mercy, hallelujah, to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, female servant, cattle, nor stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. Sounds reasonable to me. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, male or female servants, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, are you able to bring that forward about three or 4,000 years? Can you change that up a little bit? Like... Tesla, Mercedes, dog, right? You got what I'm saying? iPad, talent. How do these commandments make you feel? Convicted? Convicted? How, how, how do they make you feel? Anybody? How does it make you feel? We have convicted. Unworthy. Unworthy. That's good. Anybody else? You read the commandments. How does it make you feel? Guilty, sinful, 50-50, 
This isn't a football game with our cheerleaders doing 50-50. Unable, incapable. A lot of negatives there, right? Those are a lot of negatives. I wrote down condemned, like a failure, right? Anyone feel good when I read that passage? Did you feel good? Did you feel good? Did, did you feel confident as I read through the Ten Commandments? Anyone feel confident? Raise your hand. Feel confident? Yes, uh, hands in order 50-50. Anyone feel hope as I read through the Ten Commandments? You felt hope? Anyone else feel hope? Paul? Jake? I got his name right. Probably because I'm just in the pulpit. I did get his name right, right? I call him by every other J name I can think of. How should we feel when we read the Ten Commandments? Most of the, most of the uh, commentary from the congregation was pretty negative. Would you agree? We had one 50-50, we had one hope. Let's take a look at Galatians. Uh, we're going to read through Galatians chapter 4, 21 to 28. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman, Hagar, one, the other by a free woman. But who was of the bondwoman? But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. So I got to give you just a brief background, really quick. Not chasing a rabbit, just giving you some information. Abraham's wife was Sarah. God had made a promise to Abraham. He promised him Canaan land. He promised him the promised land. He promised him that he would have prodigy, uncountable children, that he was going to become a great nation. And through him, all of the people of the world were going to be blessed. Well, Abraham was getting on in years. In fact, he and Sarah were past the years where they could conceive. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask ladies who's entered menopause, but when you enter menopause and you get through the other side, are you capable of having children? So Sarah, she'd already, very likely, she was about 100 years old, 90 years old, she'd already likely gone through menopause at that point. I mean, all of the hot flashes. I'm sure she set the fire uh, in the tent by accident. Right? You know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're a husband of a wife who's going through menopause, you have no idea how what a hot flash is, and you think you know, and then they tell you, like, I feel like I'm on fire from the inside out, and I'm going to burn you. <laughs> no, that's not, no, no. Actually, Cindy's laughing really loud over there. I don't know. <sighs> um, anyway, so they're, they're getting up in years. And the Bible says they're past the childbearing years, but Abraham hasn't gotten a son yet. He, hasn't have, he doesn't have any children. And so he gets a bondwoman, a slave, essentially. And Sarah gives Abraham her slave and says, have sex with Hagar so that we can have children. Now, I know some of you guys are like, hmm, sweet. Not so much. 
Not so much, because the promise was from God to Abraham. And even though the circumstances that they were in seemed to expose a lie from God, he was still able to keep his promise to Abraham, was he not? Is he not God that created the heavens and the earth? He created a man out of the dust of the land? God can do anything. There is nothing too hard for God. So their expression of a lack of faith was Sarah giving Hagar to Abraham to have sex with so that he could have a son. And so they had a son. That was the son of the bondwoman. Well, later on, God kept his promise and Sarah conceived. She conceived and she brought forth a child and that child was the child of promise. It was a miraculous birth that God would heal her menopause, heal her barren womb, and give them a child. You've got to admire Abraham. Got together with his wife. They bore a child. Now, the, now the, the Sarah was jealous of Hagar, and they put Hagar out with her son. And that's a whole other story, created a whole other nation that we contend with to this day. But the child of the bondwoman was not the child of the promise. It was a, he says, it says it's a child according to the flesh. And when we talk about the flesh here, in the New Testament, when Paul talks about our flesh, what is he talking about? Does anyone know what he's talking about when he says you, we, the, the, the flesh wrestles against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh? The old nature, the unregenerate nature, the nature that does not have a living spirit within it, Right? The fallen nature of man. And so what he's saying here is that the, the child of the bondwoman represents that fallen nature. And the child of the free woman represents the promise of Christ. So that's, the, that's where he's getting at. He's like, okay, so the, there was one of a bondwoman. There's one of a free woman. Which things are symbolic for, uh, for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. What happened at Mount Sinai? Anyone know? Mount Sinai, thunders and lightning, and Moses goes up on the mountain, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. He comes down off the mountain. The children of Israel are in rebellion. He smashes them on the rocks, right? That's Mount Sinai. It represents the law, okay? Are you with me? What does the law do? Gives bondage. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem from above is free, which is the mother of us all, believers in Christ. For it is written, O rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout. You are not in labor, uh, you who are not in labor, for, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, this is so cool. We are what? The children of promise. So the children of promise are no longer under, under, that's a word that's very important for us this morning. They are no longer under the law. What the law could not do for us, Christ did for us. Are you with me now? Who said unable, incapable, incapable. We're at the Ten Commandments. This, this, this young lady over here said, incapable. I'm not talking about Cindy. 
because we all know. Okay. I was going to say that she's, oh, this is how I'm hurting people. I'm sorry, Cindy. Will you forgive me? She's not saying yes. The law was incapable, incapable of saving our eternal souls. What the law could not do, Christ did for us. Those who trust in Christ are no longer under the law. Woo! Listen, man, upon the gift of, the, of salvation, the law, can you say it with me now? No longer condemns. Use the word condemns. No longer us. Can I hear that again? No longer us. Christians, believers in Christ, the law no longer Oh, you don't sound convinced. Come on, man. The law no longer condemns you. That should be good news. That should be good news. Ooh, let's see here. We'll go to Romans chapter 3. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are, what's the word again? Under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Again, we're looking at that word under, under the law. Those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ are no longer under the law. We're no longer condemned by the law. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his, capital H, God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So by the deeds of the law, no one is justified in his sight. Not one. I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments, and therefore I'm going to get to heaven. If I just keep the Ten Commandments, I'll be okay in the eyes of God. What does this say? That if you keep the Ten Commandments, you will not be justified in his sight because you cannot keep the Ten Commandments. Go on. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the... Apart from what? Apart from what? The law, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What is the righteousness of God? Anyone know? Starts with a J, ends with a Jesus. Right? The law, the law witnessed to Jesus. The prophets witnessed to Jesus. Everything in the Bible is pointing to Jesus. Well, let's go on. Even the righteousness of God through faith in, there is, Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ I'm just going to sit down until you guys start working with me here. Come on, man. Which is in Christ? Jesus. Jesus. We're going to be here for a long time if y'all don't wake up, man. Go on. I'm full of it today. Full of the Spirit. How many of you prayed this week for the Spirit to fill you? Raise your hands. I prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit this week. How many of you prayed this morning? Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit so that this place can be shaken. Man, church, pray to be filled before you walk in the door who God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed 
to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Here you go. You're walking with me now. Where is the boasting then? I've kept the Ten Commandments. Is there anyone that is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, into the halls of heaven, into the gates of New Jerusalem and say, I'm here because I kept the Ten Commandments. What is that called? That is called boasting. I'm a good guy. I'm not as bad as this guy. I'm not as bad as that guy, and so I deserve to be here. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law have you entered into the gates of heaven? Of what works? No, but by the law of faith. The law of faith in whom? Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Who was the law given to? The Jews. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. That's the rest of the world, more or less. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Circumcised would be the Jewish people who were circumcised on the eighth day as a matter of, uh, as a matter of symbol. Uh, that they belonged to the people of God uncircumcised being the Gentiles, where circumcision was not symbolic to them, and so many of them were uncircumcised. And the circumcised, the Jewish who were circumcised on the eighth day according to the law, would often look down on the uncircumcised. Oh, you filthy uncircumcised heathen. You follow? In fact, in the book of Ephesians, there was a contention between the circumcision, those who were Jews by birth, and by symbol, and those who were Christians by faith in Jesus, and they were both Christians, but the Jews had an attitude toward the Gentiles because they weren't circumcised, they were lower, and then the Gentiles had an attitude toward the Jews because Jews are dumb and we are smart. Do not clip this. This is what the schism was in this church. And so Paul said, God has broken down the middle wall of separation between them and of two people. He has made one. That's glorious. That's glorious. Let's go on. Do we make then void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Why do we establish the law? Well, because Jesus Christ is the perfect man who kept all all of the law. And the reason why we can turn to Jesus in faith and ask him to be our personal one and only savior and repent of our sin is because Jesus was a perfect, is a perfect man who kept all of the law all of the time. He fulfilled the law, Jesus did. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The law is good. The law is good. Can you say this with me? The law is good. The law is good. What does it do? It reveals the character and the nature of God. And the Old Testament law is explicit, pointing out the sins of the world. It it removes excuses and it reveals the heart. Someone said this morning, convicted. Someone said, guilty. 
That that is the purpose of the law for those who have not yet placed their faith completely in Jesus Christ. You should feel guilty. Pastor, that's not nice. Well, it's a lot nicer than saying, uh, oh, just hang out in your sin and don't worry about it and then letting you go to hell. The law was given so that those who are under the law, not yet in Christ, under the law, might be exceedingly guilty. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope those Ten Commandments are weighing down on you. I hope they are breaking your heart. I hope they are doing more than convict you. I hope they are turning you to Christ. Because only in Christ Jesus is there salvation from sin, Satan, and hell. If you're trusting in the law, you're lost. If you're Jesus and the law, you're lost. It's not Jesus in keeping the law. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. If you're like, oh, I prayed for Jesus to save me and I'm doing good works to get to heaven, you're not saved because you're not trusting in Christ alone. You're saying, I'm trusting in Jesus and myself and my good works. Your good works are a representation of the faith that you have in Christ, not, the, not, not necessary for the faith you have in Christ. They are the outworking of your faith. Real faith, true faith works. Folks, if you're trusting in anything else, you're lost. You're lost, and it's a heartbreak if you stay that way. And I hope that as you've come into this place today, if you have not trusted in Christ alone, not your good deeds, not your good works, not keeping the Ten Commandments, but in Jesus Christ alone, folks, you need to trust him right now, right where you sit. Oh, God, I know that you came down to earth in the flesh and that you walked this earth as a perfect man for some 33 years, and that you were crucified for my sin. You, the perfect man, Jesus, crucified for my sin, taking my place, the penalty that I deserve. And, oh, Jesus, I believe you were buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and I am calling out on, on your name for you to be my one and only Savior. God Almighty, I offer to you the sacrifice of Jesus for my sin. Adopt me into your family. You need Jesus. You don't need to try to keep the law in order to attain salvation and favor from God. We are no longer, what's the word? If you have done that, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are no longer? You are no longer? You are no longer under the law. What a gift. What a gift. Folks, the penalty that the law invoked was laid upon Christ in our place. And we tend to think of the law as only the Ten Commandments, but there are hundreds of laws, hundreds and hundreds of laws in the Old Testament. He said, well, I'm going to keep the law. Which one? If you see your brother uh, with his ox fall into a ditch, are you going to just walk by because the law says you need to help him? Which law are you going to keep? Are you wearing mixed materials? You've broken the law. Everybody's like, holy crap, I'm going to hell. <laughs> Which law are you going to keep? How many of you have, had, had uh, lobster this year? Yeah, going to hell. How many had pork this year? 
going to hell. Which law are you picking to keep? Jesus fulfilled the law. We're no longer under the law. We, are, we, 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 we interact as Christians. Remember, Christians in the commandments. That's the name of the sermon, isn't it? Christians in the commandments. We're interacting with the law in a different way. See? And what I found this morning when I asked you, how did you feel about that? When we read the Ten Commandments, how did you feel about that? What I heard was an overwhelming negative response. Except for hope. Hey, all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.